BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey. It's only been like two days. Woo-woo. We are back in full swing. Fuck. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Episode 71. Today's going to be a graphic mm-hmm. one. Oh, yeah. So I don't, um, I don't trigger warning very often, because I really feel like, I mean... You know what you're coming for. Right. You, you know. And if you don't know what you're coming for, you can figure it out in the first, like, five minutes. Right. Right? True. So this one um, was actually a listener request. Yes. By uh, my first FTO, straight out of the academy, his wife, who's a listener. Um, I'm not going to say his name. I don't know if he wants it said. But the uh, best, seriously, like, not just saying this. Because he listens, but the best street cop there is. Like, if you want to be the police, like, he is the person you want to be just like. Hmm. I don't know who it is. I've never met him. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, I, don't think I mean, so. best street cop, best detective. He finally retired out as deputy chief. If If he was the boss... You know, it was my first apartment. If he was the boss when I was there, I would have never left. Really? Yeah, I would have never left. Wow. That's how good he was. That's not who I'm thinking of, is it? No. No. You've never met him. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, so this is a, a very local case. Yeah, he went to... He went to school with them. He went to school with them. That's why he requested it. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I, I brought something up to have you ask him. And he was like, well, yeah, he kind of wasn't there. That kind of would make sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, okay. But so it's, it's a local case. It's very local. Yes. So it's kind of cool. And it's crazy because it you, I've you're saying. I've never heard yeah, of him. You're saying it, it's so graphic. And like he sent me, he sent us a couple um, references. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard of him. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this guy. Never. So it's crazy. Like, you, you think it would have been more known. And 
there's not a lot of information. Right. I mean, and by not a lot of information, I mean like Oxygen did uh, an episode. Uh, they had a serial killer show for a little while. They did an episode on him. Um, that That's it. Right. There's a handful of articles. Like, and that's it. Literally a handful. There's like four. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. I got the vast majority of my information. I think Chance is chewing on his paw. Stop. Knock it off, Chance. Um, I got the vast majority of my information from court documents, actually. Oh, did you really? I found, oh, yeah. I found, ooh. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Yeah. I, I can, man, I can find some shit on page 12 of Google, but <laughs> it turns out there's a hockey player with the same name. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, a lot of, yeah. A lot find, of articles that popped up. Yeah. The hockey player. <laughs> um, I did find um, an interview with him, mm-hmm. which was disturbing because he was so fucking nonchalant about everything. Really? Just, eh. Like, he was Whatever. shooting the shit. No shit. Yeah. And like, you know, they only get X amount of time on their fucking jail phone. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got to go. But uh, I'll I'll call you back in like 30, 35 minutes. Like. What a psycho. So like just nonchalant about the whole thing. What a psycho. What's fucked up, too, is. Well, I mean, obviously you didn't hear anything about it. Um how he got to some of his victims, and the fact that he was married at one point, and his wife participated. Did she really? In several of these, and was granted full immunity. Get out of here. To testify against him. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fucked one up. One of them, I mean, she blatantly was involved. That's fucked up. Yeah. I, I hate hearing that blatantly shit. Blatantly involved. I fucking hate hearing that shit. So, it's... um. It's very sexually graphic. It's very sexually disturbing. Um, there is child rape involved. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's a lot. So I I was shocked. Like when I started getting into it, and I'm reading the the court documents, and I'm like, oh 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 my, oh my God! Like that bad? Huh? How the way they describe some things? It's Oh, it's going to make your stomach hurt. Really? So, like, for it to be local and in the late 90s? Yeah. How did we not know not about this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy. It's a, it's a lot. I don't even know if your buddy knows the extent of it. So, uh, hmm. yeah. It's it's very graphic. Um, I'm not holding back. I'm not sugarcoating anything. Mainly because a lot of it is blamed on sexual sadism, which mm. I don't think it, it's not a very well known right. thing. The thing with sexual sadism, though, is it's uh, it's not a mental illness. Right. They consider it a psychological condition. I was going to say a disorder or something. Yeah, but the big thing is he's not crazy. Mm-mm. He's not. Right. He's not mentally ill. That makes it all the more mm-hmm. creepy. He's not mentally ill. He's not, um, there's no brain deficiencies. There's no organic brain injuries. There's no lesions. 
Yeah. He has a, a relatively higher IQ. His MRIs are all normal. His evaluations are all normal. So just a complete He's psycho. <laughs> evil. He's just yeah. evil. That's the description of pure evil. And there are doctors who are who who say He's not. He's not crazy. Yeah. There's no. The whole triad of mental illness is not there. He he was examined from 1987 till 2006. Not once did he exhibit any signs of mental illness. Wow. There was no impulse control issues. They say that there sometimes was, but he was able to stop himself. That's crazy. If there was a baby, he he would stop because he didn't want the baby to not have a, not have a mother. Jesus. He he raped a 10-year-old next to her mother. Oh, my God. Yeah. So a baby, st- like, it, yeah. Wow. And he's very, like, This just, will be interesting. Meh. Whatever. Yeah. Tuesday afternoon. Seriously. And it's the way that he, ex- just, I don't even know. Like, mm. I don't know. I don't even know. So, it's, uh. It's a lot, guys, but... This will be interesting. I'm yeah. excited. Oh, let me put my phone down. Yeah, put your phone down because it always blows up. Shut up. You're popular. The schedule is fucking stellar right now, so we're good. Mm, good job, Mama. Mm. Uh, thank you for getting me a strawberry monster. It was delicious. Do you want to try this one? It's Paradise Punch. Yeah, I do want to try it. It kind of gives me heartburn, but it's worth it. Oh, it's carbonated? Yeah. Oh, that's good. But it's a sippy one because it's carbonated. I'm going back to the monsters now. Mm. These are delicious. And guys, my vape. It's great bubblegum. Yeah, those who vape. Posh was like one of the first like popular disposable ones. Yeah. So that's where you like got most of your flavors. And when they first made them, I mean, they were like fucking sticks. You got like four puffs out of. Now they're like these contraptions that you can plug in yeah they're huge and they look like they um, look like lighters yeah they do zippos. like zippos yeah um but posh came back with the grape ice it's been gone it did taste good although i almost choked to death it's yeah <laughs> uh i told jackie to try it and jackie who there's five sorry Jackies. i'm getting there <laughs> Are you done? Jackie 2? Jackie 3? Little Jackie. Okay. Do you want to know what she said? Hmm. It tastes like Deboozy. The fuck is Deboozy? Uh, dick, butt, and pussy all at once. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say. <laughs> so that makes me wonder. Has she, has she had that? No! <laughs> she just... Uh, How would she know what it tastes like? When she said it, though, I'm like, well, first of all, you fucking hit the thing like you were smoking a joint and yeah. you weren't ever going to get another one again. <laughs> yeah. But she's like, I just... I, I, didn't, I didn't like the flavor in my mouth. And I was like, it tastes like bubblegum. Dick, butt, and pussy. Yeah. Deboozy. Deboozy. Mm-hmm. Mm. She's entertaining. Yummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good explanation. I, I yeah. thought it, it did oh. taste like the bubblicious, oh. but I almost choked The grape that, has so. been gone for a very long time. So when I saw this at the gas station, I was like, oh, my God. And then they have a gummy bear one I have to get, too. Ooh. The gas station lady's like, the fuck you think that one tastes like? <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. 
I don't, and I was like, I don't know. And she's like, what about this fucking razzmatazz? And I was like, that's probably blue raspberry. Yeah. She's like, and gummy bears? How the fuck you make a vape out of gummy bears? I was like, do you want to come have a beer with me? Right. You can be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So the gummy bear one's really good, though. I'll get that one next. Okay. I'll try that and so, probably die inhaling. Yeah. Well. I probably shouldn't be with ARDS, but. I mean, whatever. With my respiratory failure. It didn't kill you. No. But Whatever. I legit almost choked to death. I saw, yeah, I saw that. And I uh, did nothing but walked away. You just stood there. Yeah, like, all right, well, give me the fucking thing uh, back Can then. you hurry up and give it back? Right. Fuck. Stop hoarding it. Seriously. Man. Uh, so I take it no patri- no new patrons. No, it's only and, been a couple days. Yeah, it's been like two days. But, but I did see, I, I feel bad, I haven't had a chance to look at some of the messages we got. Because um, obviously today was payroll Monday, and you know Mondays are a shit yeah. show. Um, but the ladies were very excited that I said their names. Oh, cool! Which makes me so fucking happy. Yeah. Because um, I have replayed stuff back when I hear my name. Yeah. So I get it. I'll, yeah. I'll fucking say hi to each and every one oh, of yeah. you, all hundred and nine of you individually oh, we'll, every time. We'll do however many shout mm-hmm. outs. It's you guys. Keep us going. You guys are the shit. Yep. You guys so, are awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, um, other than that, I guess you want to jump right into it? Uh, yeah. I mean... I'm ready. I'm, I want to hear this. All right. So this is uh, Paul Rungi. Now, some people pronounce it Runge. The only reason I say Rungi is because that's how it was pronounced in the interview that he gave, and he didn't correct him. Okay. I would think he would correct him. Yeah, I would think so, too. So, he's in, He's at, uh, well, at the time of that interview, he was in Pontiac. Uh, that's what I read. So, he probably still is in Pontiac, I would imagine. Yeah, that's not too far from us. No. About mm-hmm. an hour away. So, Paul Rungi, uh, I believe his middle name was Franklin. By the way, there's not a lot of about his childhood. or Yeah. Um, a lot of this I got from him, specifically. Okay. Or his dad's trial testimony. So, he was born January 28th of 1970. He was either born in Oak Forest, Illinois, or Zion, Illinois. And they're not close, so that's weird. Yeah. Isn't One it? is on the north side yeah. of, like, of Illinois, mm-hmm. like northern Illinois, and then the other is now, on the south side of Chicago. My guess is he was born in Zion, but he was raised in Oak Forest. Okay, that makes sense. Um, he was also adopted at six months old. So that oh, makes a wow. lot of sense that they were Spread very apart. far apart. You yeah. know, So um, that's why I think he was maybe born in Zion, but okay. raised in Oak Forest. So <clears throat> this guy, he... Um, so according to him, when he um, was younger, he started watching black and white horror films. Like the old, like, Frankenstein yeah, and the old Dracula. werewolf. And, yeah. Yeah. And he said, you know, when you're when you're real little and you're real young, um, he, he's spoken with a ton of professors, quote, your mind is wiring and connecting to different things. Somehow sexual gratification and violence, and I think they kind of got the wires crossed. That's really kind of what I bonded to at at the time, a very young age. Mm. So he started watching these movies young, six, seven, eight, 
Yeah. He remembers um he so he he the objectifying of women is big to him. Okay. Um he thinks it has a lot to do with the objectification of women because his first sexual feelings that he had happened while watching a werewolf movie. Hmm. And he remembers it being around fourth grade. He doesn't know what age, but it was around fourth grade. So we're talking Jackson's age, you know. And he was watching um, a werewolf movie, and the werewolf was standing outside the window, peeping, peeping on her, basically, while this woman was inside dancing. And he, the werewolf gets excited and goes inside and kills her. So the sex and the violence in the movies is really what Drone. got him in. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I think I set the, the groundwork. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. In early 1997, the Chicago Police Department reached out to the FBI. They needed someone to construct the profile of a killer. They had three cases with four homicides they needed to prove were connected. But without genetic material, all they had was circumstantial evidence and a strong hunch. The authorities felt that they had no choice but to alert the media there was a serial killer on the loose, and it appeared as if he was using classified ads to find his victims. Mm. Can you imagine that? Like, that's never happened in our lifetime. No. Well, I mean, this was our fucking lifetime. Well, but, the, yeah, this was. Ooh, so. 97, so we would have been yeah. freshmen in high school. Sophomores? High, yeah, yeah, freshman, sophomore. Freshman, yeah. So, like I said, he was adopted uh, at six months old by Richard Rungi and his wife, Anita. Um, Nothing is known about his birth parents, and very little is known about his childhood. It was later learned during trial testimony that Paul had fallen out of a grocery cart when he was two, uh, briefly losing consciousness, but no medical treatment was sought. And the reason I put that in there is because head injuries at a young age are a big thing with, with serial killers. Right. So... Uh, Between eight and nine years old, Paul was expelled from his Catholic school for, quote, bothering girls. Wow. What grade school did he go to? I don't know. I'm curious. I don't know. Yeah. We know where he went to high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it isn't really, um, we don't know what the bothering consisted of. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, at 11 years old... He cut up a table and his father's thermal underwear with a knife. Hmm. Which, uh, what? It's kind of weird. Yeah, like, what? what? Yeah. I don't know. I'd be pissed if it was wintertime. When his parents were like, um, what the fuck? He was like, oh, I'm... Dude, my thermals. Just playing, just playing. So, per Paul, this was around the time that he had his first sexual thought um, and sexual arousal in connection with violence. So at that werewolf movie that he was watching, when he became aroused was when the werewolf was killing her, not when she was like dancing around yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, he remembers being excited by the concept of a beautiful woman being objectified and overpowered by a monster. Damn. Because you're a fucking monster. That's yeah. why. Right. And he's like, he's not a terrible looking dude. Right. Like you would uh, never. Just a regular Never. looking dude. Yeah. So his parents grew concerned that Paul, quote, wasn't conversing with them. They didn't feel at that point he needed psychiatric care, but they did send him to counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made no significant difference, and they still deemed him, quote, unresponsive. But after spending a summer away at camp, quote, he seemed to be fine. That's mm-hmm. how they describe him a lot. Okay. 
Uh, at 14, Paul had sex with two girls his age. He was almost immediately arrested after the girls claimed he attacked them. However, once the girls got to the police station, they admitted that the sex was actually consensual and Paul was allowed to go home. At 15, he had consensual sex with a woman catering a wedding he attended with his parents. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was she arrested for fucking no. rape? uh uh-uh. I don't think he ever talked about it, you know? Wow. So, per Paul, he was athletic and popular in school and had no issues, quote, getting girls. He did start um, dating and having sex in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And his dad would testify that girls tended to gravitate towards his son. Hmm. But in the same sentence, said that he could probably be labeled as a manipulative con artist. Wow. Yeah. So. I, I like know, playing Legos. Right. Great. Right. <laughs> you know, he was asked, um, did you feel that you had to do this? Why? Like, why did you have to go attack these women? Why couldn't yeah. you just go have sex with them? And he said it wasn't about the sex he could have sex whenever he wanted it wasn't an issue he whoa had, yeah. excuse me mister he had girlfriends you know he was popular in high school that wasn't a problem it was more um the hunt yeah makes and sense. like the 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 thought of getting them yeah that makes so, sense he was very close to his adoptive mom i don't know if he knew he was adopted from the get-go okay we never got that far but um he was devastated when she was diagnosed with cancer uh, he stated that he knew she was sick, but she, he never really thought that she was going to die. Hmm. So when she did, it, it devastated him. He would take her back and forth to treatment, and he really had a significant role in her caretaking. Um, he did see in the interview that at the time, uh, quote, hospice wasn't a thing we really knew about. So they were cared for at home, you know? Yeah. Um, he was actually at home with her when she passed away. He was 17. Uh, Some believe this had a profound effect on Paul, even, quote, bringing out his sexual sadism, because it it tends to be brought out by trauma. Um, The trauma of it all impeded his ability to control himself. Yeah. Now, doctors will testify other, you know, to the other side of that. His father, however, said he seemed to grieve for about two weeks and then, quote, was fine. So, sexual sadism is characterized by taking sexual pleasure from humiliation, fear, or another form of mental harm to a person. What the fuck? Wow. Sadistic acts include restraint, imprisonment, biting, spanking, whipping, and beating. All right, guys. Trigger warning. Here it comes. On August 17th of 1987... Paul asked a girl he knew. Now, it said in several articles that he went to school with her. No. The, I'm assuming well, it had to have been prior to high school because it, he went to an all-boys high school. It, well, Marist at the time. Was all boys. Was all boys. Now it's co-ed. Well, she was three years younger. So my guess would be he yeah. knew her from the previous school. So um, he asked a girl he knew, 14-year-old Mary, to meet him to help a girl they both knew get pot out of her house. So she ended up sneaking out of her house and, and meeting him. 14. Yeah. Jeez. Babe, just... The, mm. uh, so he drove her to his house and directed her towards a room and then punched her in the face or the head. Oh, my God. Knocking her down, causing dizziness and disorientation. 
Paul then jumped on top of her, pinning her arms down and ripped off her clothing. Like, it's hard to make jokes during this episode. You're not going to be able to. (laughs) This is so fucking bad. It gets a hundred times worse from him. Yeah, so I apologize if we're not funny. I'm not even saying fuck a lot. Yeah. So, um, it's about to get uh, brutal. Man. Just an FYI. Okay. So, he then put his penis in her mouth and held a knife to her throat and said, quote, don't bite or I'll kill you. He handcuffed her hands behind her back, then blindfolded her with a bandana. Where is he getting handcuffs from? Right? You're 17. At 17? Yeah. Hmm. He then handcuffed her to the bed and ground his penis into her mouth as hard as he could. He stuffed her mouth with an unknown material and then duct taped her mouth shut. He forcefully bit her vagina and pubic area, causing her to cry, and then painfully cut off all her pubic hair. Jesus. While still handcuffed to the bed, he penetrated her vaginally, forcefully twisting her body around, then penetrated her anally. He then removed the gag and repeatedly, quote, rammed his penis into her mouth while threatening her with a knife at her throat. He forcefully bit her legs and thighs. He then handcuffed her to a railing in the living room. He said he would take her home if she drank an entire glass of Seagram's VO. Which she's like, oh, okay, get, yeah, give it to me. Right now. So after she finished most of it, he took her into the bathroom where she did vomit. He put her in the shower and again vaginally penetrated her. At this point, she passed out. Jesus. She just passed out. Um, and you got this from the court documents? This is all from court documents. Wow. This is her testimony. Jesus Christ. She was 32 years old when she testified to this. Oh, my God. Um. When she woke up, all four limbs were handcuffed to the bed and she was gagged. She could tell by the sunlight that she'd been unconscious for a couple hours. Um, he gave her cereal to eat and then handcuffed her to a kitchen chair. Where the fuck are the parents? Well, mom's dead. And it comes out later that dad and he had a brother. Okay. They're out of town. Okay. So she picked up the chair and attempted to escape. Um, but he then held a knife to her throat and threatened her again. This time he handcuffed her to the table. He cut her hair with a knife and cut the inside of her arms, smiling, saying that he liked it. He forcefully bit her nipples, causing her to cry again. He then forcefully bit her neck, her breasts, her stomach, her crotch, and her legs, and told her, quote, shut up, that doesn't hurt. She was blindfolded, gagged, and handcuffed. He forced her face into the sofa, vaginally penetrating her from behind. He then bit her buttocks, saying he wanted to rip her skin off. He proceeded to squeeze and twist her buttocks painfully, spread them apart, repeatedly ramming his penis into her anus. Jesus. She was moved to another room and put on the floor with her hands handcuffed behind her back, and he again penetrated her orally. This is where it gets bad. He grabbed a fireplace poker and sodomized her with it. Holy shit. She said, quote, he shoved the handle of the fireplace poker into my anus. He rammed it in as hard as he could. He started making it go up and down, out and in, and I felt like my insides were getting ripped out. I thought I was going to die because it hurt so bad. He just kept doing it, forcing it in further and further and further. Dude, my God. 
He then proceeded to penetrate her with an unknown object and his penis at the same time, switching between orifices for the next hour. This poor girl. He finally stopped when the phone rang. It was his girlfriend asking for a ride to work. So he went, he was going to go pick up his girlfriend. He bound her, gagged her, shoved her into a sleeping bag, and threw her into the crawl space. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. He told her not to do anything stupid or he would kill her. This little girl managed to somehow hop and roll to get herself out of the crawl space and outside. Wow. A neighbor saw her. Wow. Naked, hysterical. With scarves wrapped around her mouth. Yeah. 15 hours later, she got out of the house. This lasted for 15 hours. This poor girl. I'm getting chills. Yeah. So the police knew at this point when he got home and she wasn't there that, or Paul knew that the police were going to be looking for him when he got home and she wasn't there. Uh, He was almost captured at a local grocery store, but managed to flee. He evaded police for a week, but frequently called the police to ask him, well, what's going to happen if I turn myself in? Someone's going to butt fuck you with a yeah. fireplace poker. That's what should hopefully, happen. Hopefully Bubba fucking boofs you. He eventually decided it would be within his best interest to surrender. Paul yeah. was arrested at home, yeah, without incident. Um, I don't advocate or advocate for police brutality i do in cases of this if like in cases of this uh they need to fuck him up i like fuck yeah i I don't even know like how do those thoughts even come into your head i i don't know i evil so, you said it in the beginning. It's fucking pure evil. There didn't seem to be any motivation to this crime other than opportunity. Yeah. His dad and brother were out of town. Now, Paul himself would later say that his crimes were absolutely crimes of opportunity, and that was it. There was no motivation other than it presented itself. Yeah. And for a little while, he, you know wasn't killing and he said i didn't go dark i wasn't thinking about what i was doing my truck route changed and i was driving in the city now and i didn't have as much opportunity to do it wow flat out that's what he said Wow. and said that when other killers tell you that um that they're um you know they're doing it for this or they're doing it for that he said it's it's really opportunity if it's in front of you you're gonna do it Mm. yeah Unreal. So he was convicted of aggravated criminal sexual assault, aggravated kidnapping, and armed violence. He was sentenced to 14 years in prison. After serving only seven years, he was paroled in May of 1994. Wow. So good job, parole board. Yeah. Because you guys are at fault for this. Yeah. Just an FYI. Um, This absolutely allowed him to go on and kill. And this is the time... Because my buddy who requested this, he said he went missing. In he high went school. missing in high school, and this would be the why. rumor was he was busted for dealing dope. Uh, but this, no. uh, yeah, mm-hmm. obviously it was, and a lot of it wasn't made public at the time because his victim was a minor. Right. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Right. So, he uh, was paroled and got a job as a shoe salesman at either Foot Locker or Lady Foot Locker, one or the other. He met and married a woman named uh, Charlene. So, he turned into Al Bundy. That's, <laughs> babe, that's the first fucking thing that I thought. <laughs> Was like, oh my god, he's selling shoes. Right. Ew, ew, he's touching feet. Oh, women's, women's shoes. I'm pretty sure it's Lady Footlocker. <laughs> That's right. what I read. So, they were married on January 27th of 1995. Excuse me. Three weeks prior to their wedding, on either January 3rd or 4th, depending on the source, 1995, Paul was living in Streamwood, Illinois, with Charlene. Charlene invited her friend, 25-year-old Carol Stream resident Stacy Froebel, over for drinks. Charlene's ultimate goal was to have a threesome with Stacy and Paul. Hey. Uh, at some point, the three were intoxicated, and Charlene got pissed off at Stacy for something. Per Paul, Charlene demanded that Paul kill Stacy. Whoa. So he did. Wow. Some sources say that he hit her in the weight immediately when she walked in the door. However... Yeah court testimony according to his recorded interviews say that when Stacy fell asleep he hit her over the head with a like barbell workout weight Jesus he put her body on a plastic sheet and handcuffed her and then proceeded to have vaginal sex with her multiple times after a while after a while he realized that she hadn't moved and she wasn't breathing after a while right like dude you just hit her with a fucking weight Mm. Uh, the next day, he dismembered Stacy in the bathtub. Wow. He used a saw, cutting her at the hands, ankles, legs, arms, torso, and her head. He would later talk about the dismemberment part of his crimes, saying that he did not consider this part violent and did not feel that he should have been convicted of any crimes related to dismemberment because at that point, it's just a way of self-preservation. Oh, yeah. That yeah, good call, dude. After the act of murder itself is done, the victim ceases to be a person. Oh, Jesus. What a psycho. He's talking about dismemberment like we just talked about monster. Dude, that's... It's chilling. Yeah. So... What a psycho. Paul and Charlene borrowed uh, their roommate's car, because there was a fucking roommate in the house. Jeez. And drove towards Wisconsin, dropping garbage bags with body parts in dumpsters along the way. The roommate's name was Dina Bart- Bartolini, like the restaurant. Yeah, which is I, that phenomenal. Just, uh, yeah. Um, she lived there at the time. She would later testify that she did have sex with Paul four to five times, including a threesome with him and Charlene the day Charlene gave birth. What? Man, that's a trooper. That, mm. she remembers High five to her fuck that she remembers charlene being very excited about stacy coming over uh they started drinking and eventually um 
Charlene would tell Dina, like, Stacy's going to spend the night. Yeah. They borrowed her car the next day and used a half a tank of gas. That was all she knew. Mm. For days following the murder, Paul called in sick to Foot Locker before eventually quitting, which he would do. Which kind of cracks me up because one of the big things they say when looking for a killer is, did he quit his job? Yeah. It, that That's the first thing they say. Is there a big difference in appearance? Did he quit his job? Right. And he would quit his job every fucking time. Oh, really? Every time. Wow. So, um, <clears throat> Stacy was reported missing by her husband after not returning home. She was the mother of a six-year-old. On January 16th of 1995, near the border of southern Wisconsin, a German shepherd by the name of Friendly... Friendly! ...brought home a severed leg. Could you imagine that if, like, Chance came in the house? Oh, it gets better. A fucking leg. <laughs> Five days later, he yeah. brought home the other one. Oh, dude. Babe. <laughs> dude. What? I mean... Thank you, Friendly. What the fuck? What the fuck? He just trots up to the house with a fucking leg in his mouth. Oh, Wait, God. It, can you even imagine? No. No. <sighs> Like, I had a bad dream about that last night. Did you really? Yes. Yes, because all I could picture was, like, this foot moving in his fucking mouth. Well, you know? <laughs> and then fucking, just when you're getting over the trauma of that, he brings home a brings fucking home second another. one. yeah. Here, Ugh. I brought the pair. What the fuck? Dude. Oh. God, I mean, stop letting him go in fields. <laughs> right. Uh, and, okay, I guess my... My first question was, so they found, the dog found a severed leg in a field. Did they call the police? Did you not search the field? Yeah. Because I, how did, did you find the second one? Did you call the authorities? One? He found the second one five days later. Dude. So he found it in police? Your search sucked. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, police, Just your search. Just left friendly out there, it you really know? sucked. Ooh. So DNA testing concluded that the legs were Stacy's. Uh, her remains were eventually found. Um, and her bones did show signs of, like, being cut with a saw. Yeah. So, because they were the last people to see Stacy alive, the police questioned Paul and Charlene. They told authorities that Stacy left that night. At some point, traces of Stacy's blood were found in their home, but it wasn't enough to bring charges. Really? What? What, did Friendly need to bring the leg to their house? Yeah. I don't understand. Why I'm would her fucking confused. blood be in the house? Yeah. Oh, babe. Well, it kind I, of baffles I so me. Many, I have so many fucking questions. So the police started surveillance on their house, went through the garbage, tapped their phones, and traced calls from payphones. They studied several bite wounds on the dismembered legs. Despite all of this, not only did they not have enough for an arrest... Paul murdered again. In July of 1995, Paul told co-worker um, Estella Herrera, who was his co-worker at the Honey Baked Ham store in the mall, hmm. um, that his wife was starting a cleaning business out of their now Glendale Heights home. Uh, Charlene herself then spoke with Estella Herrera about meeting people interested in the job. Estella knew two Bosnian refugees who had just moved in with her uncle in Hanover Park. And they were looking to either work in housekeeping or start their own business in housekeeping. Yeah. Um, it's possible at some point that Charlene had seen Gizenta, who they called Janet, thank God. Yeah. And Amelia Begovic. 
Say that real fast. Yeah. Before and told Paul that she found them attractive. Charlene's intention was for the two women to... You think to, they're Polish? They're Bosnian. I just said that. Oh, my bad. They're Bosnian refugees. Oh. That went over my head. Very, yeah. <laughs> Jesus fuck, babe. So Charlene's intention was for the two women to participate in a foursome. Hey. Charlene's a little uh, little pervert uh, here. Kind of like her. Uh, Yeah, but she's... Uh, she kind of advocates for uh, killing. Yeah, I so, get it, but yeah. we're some hay now. So on July 12th, 1995, after being introduced to the sisters, Charlene brought them to her home because that's where her business was based on. So I didn't think anything of it. Right. Paul immediately suggested the girls have sex for money and Janet ran upstairs in an attempt to flee. She made it to the driveway before being caught by Paul. He pulled her down by her hair, causing her to hit her head on the driveway, knocking her unconscious. He carried her into the house, but dropped her on the stairs after Amelia saw her and got up to run. Paul Paul took Amelia to the weight room and handcuffed her to a weight bar, then put Janet in the same room. He then went outside to watch for police. Because, you know, he just clubbed a woman in his fucking driveway. And um, while he's looking for police, Charlene's hosing down the fucking stairs in the driveway, getting the blood off. Janet started to vomit an unknown black liquid. Paul ignored it and started having oral sex with Amelia. Oh, my God. After going upstairs to check on Charlene, Paul went back to Amelia, handcuffed her hands behind her back, and had sex with her. This is like a bad porno. It is. It is. He then ejaculated on her stomach and wiped it off with her clothing. Paul put Janet into the tub and left the shower running and then was shocked when he came back later and she had drowned. She was unfucking conscious when you put her in a tub, you dipshit. Yeah, what did you think was going to happen? Oh, She's going to fucking float? He then choked Amelia unconscious. While Amelia was still alive, he dismembered both women with a saw. Jesus. Placing them in eight to ten garbage bags. After eating dinner, he placed... Well, the, you got to eat. Yeah, he, he placed the garbage bags in dumpsters at various apartment complexes. He Get the electrolytes up. Right. I mean, you have to. You're going to be slinging bags. Right. He would later lie about the location of the murders and the dumpsters uh, because the actual murder and dumping of the bags took place in DuPage County. Mm-hmm. And authorities there seemed to be really on, really intent on seeking the death penalty. Ooh, yeah. You rape someone with a fire poker. I'm just saying. It's Cook County, though. Right? Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah, so not surprised. So a neighbor and a former co-worker said that she would see the girls every day. uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but when did the death penalty... 2011. Okay. I get there. I actually do get there at some point. Um, uh, But the neighbor said that she hadn't seen the girls since, um, or after July 11th. They had mentioned that they had a recent job offer from a woman named Lisa who would be picking them up and having them spend the night. Now I have to go back and flip the other side of my papers because I ran out of paper. Ooh. Yeah, that doesn't happen. So the next day, Paul again started calling in sick to work. He called in for several days and then eventually quit. And again, Paul and Charlene were questioned because they were the last people to see the sisters. Yeah. This time, however, it was the FBI questioning the couple. 
The FBI found company stationery with the sister's address on it in the garbage. But didn't... Eh, meh. Eh, whatever. Whatever. Paul voluntarily allowed a search of his home where 200 and some odd items were taken as evidence. Wow. Uh, some of these items that were taken were a stun gun, a crossbow... A large hunting knife. My God. Um, a book of Charles, a book on Charles Albright, who was uh, a serial killer, mm-hmm. and a guide to police radio traffic. What? Uh, the knife alone would have been enough to violate conditions of Paul's parole. Yeah. The FBI didn't know that the knife would violate his parole. Oh my God, dude! And said that you know what? That does not surprise no. me about the FBI. Um, They said they didn't realize the knife would have violated him, and they were simply focused on finding evidence connecting Paul to the murders. Unreal. Paul did not commit another murder until July 10th of 1997. Again, he himself would state that it was an issue of opportunity and nothing more. He was not laying low, he was not taking a break, and he was not thinking about what he was doing. Circumstances circumstances hindered his opportunity. Wow. So by July 10th of 1987, Paul was delivering pop for 7-Up with a route in Chicago. He saw a for sale by owner sign in the yard of a house on Tui Avenue, which I realized if you're not from here, you would not know how to say Tui. Right. It's spelled Tuffy. Yeah. (laughs) So um, Paul knocked on the door and was greeted by 30-year-old Dorota, who they called Dorothy, Dysbach, uh, who he described as attractive. He was let in after he said he was interested in the house, and he asked about the furnace. Dorothy said that the furnace was finicky and would work occasionally and sometimes would occasionally break. Paul was like, oh my God, let me look at it. I can fix it. Jesus. So she took him to the fucking furnace. Oh, God. When Dorothy came close to him, he grabbed her by the neck and pushed her to the ground, telling her to be quiet if she wanted to see her daughter again. He took her to the bedroom and forced her to perform oral sex, then vaginal sex. He then had her wash her vaginal area, concerned about semen. He tied her hands behind her back and laid her face down in a pillow on the bed. He leaned heavily on her neck and upper back, and when he finally got off of her, she wasn't moving or breathing. Duh. He threw a match into a closet filled with clothes and paper and then left. Yeah. Uh... The fire was discovered by an HVAC tech who came to fix the finicky furnace. Yeah. Around 12.30 p.m., a firefighter found the fire in the bedroom closet and removed Dorothy. A former senior fire marshal immediately concluded the fire was set deliberately with possible um, acceleration. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorothy's autopsy was performed by Dr. Yupel Choi, I believe. Her body showed extreme signs of hemorrhage in the eyes, on the vocal cords, and the hypopharynx in the back of the neck. Uh, there was also a loose joint in her hyoid bone. These are all signs of manual strangulation. Yeah. Uh, he would have had to put pressure on her neck for approximately three and a half to five minutes just to render her unconscious. There was no CO or soot in her lungs, which determined that she died before the fire was set. Um, lines on her wrist were consistent with being bound. And there were extensive areas of burns to her skin. Ooh. Don't know who did it. Jeez. On February 3rd, 1997, 
Paul responded, um, excuse me, Paul again went to the home of Yolanda Gutierrez um, to discuss, she was selling Hooked on Phonics. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. So he had previously been to her house on January 31st to discuss the Hooked on Phonics, knew the layout of the house, said he had to go home and discuss it with his wife. He came back uninvited on February 3rd. This one's going to, yeah, trigger. Um, So he showed up unannounced on the 3rd. He had a knife and duct tape in his pocket. He grabbed Yolanda and put the knife to her throat. Sorry, I. this is why I don't write on the back of paper, because it bothers me. Then don't do it. He led her into her room and laid her onto the bed God and told trash. her, I know, told her to be quiet. He then instructed Yolanda to tell her 10-year-old daughter, Jessica, to do the same. He taped their hands behind their backs and then proceeded to rape them both orally, vaginally, and anally. Oh, my God. He would later state he didn't remember ejaculating, but there was it was everywhere. So you did. You fucking idiot. Jessica was bleeding vaginally, so he grabbed a tampon and inserted it into her vagina. Still in the wrapper. Like, oh, just... Dude. Yeah. Like, what was the fucking point? <sighs> he then slit their throats and set the apartment on fire with turpentine. The fire was noticed by a neighbor, and the bodies were discovered by a fireman. Dr. Scott Denton performed the autopsies. Yolanda was covered in burned, fragmented clothing, and there was a gaping, sharp force wound to her neck, slicing her jugular and carotid. The wound went to the back of her throat, and this was deemed her cause of death. Um, she, Her vaginal area was burned and gaping open. That's oh how they described God. it, which is obviously a sign of sexual assault. Yeah. This is... Okay. Take a breath. All right. Uh, Jessica's body was burned 75% of her body. She also had a gaping sharp force wound to the neck causing near decapitation. She had a stab wound to her shoulder. There was also tearing and redness to her anus and vagina uh, showing signs of forceful sexual assault. There was deep purple hemorrhaging at the back of her throat which was consistent with an adult penis being forcefully pushed into her throat. Uh. They did find pulmonary edema, which is fluid on the lungs, yeah. um, and brain swelling, all consistent with manual strangulation, and said that her um, the brain injuries were inconsistent, incompatible with life. Excuse me. So they did um, vaginal, oral, and rectal swabs on both Yolanda and Jessica. Blood was found on Yolanda's, but blood and semen was found on Jessica's. Mm. So they had they had something. Yeah. On March 14th of 1997, on North Kenneth Street, Kenneth Street, excuse me, um, Paul saw a condo for sale. The woman's name was Casimira Pounch. Sorry. He asked to look at the unit. The minute he walked in, he dragged her to the ground, took her into the bathroom, and raped her. She attempted to hit him with an iron, which he deflected and then possibly beat her to death with. Oh, my God, dude. He set the house on fire. When they found her, she was half nude. She was nude from the waist down, and 80% of her body was burned. They also found a meat cleaver hanging in the kitchen with her blood on it and a wound on her neck consistent with being hit by a meat cleaver. He fucking hit her with it and then hung it back up. Dude. (sighs) Fucking psycho. She had a fractured hyoid bone and swelling to the brain, which, again, is manual strangulation. 
Shortly after this, the FBI finally revealed to Illinois State Police, hey, we got this huge fucking hunting knife when we searched his house. Is that going to do anything? He was consequently arrested in May of 1997 for parole violation and was sent to prison to finish his original sentence. In 1999, authorities were attempting to keep Paul in prison under the Sexually Violent Persons Act, citing his lack of remorse in uh, the initial rape. So the Sexual Violent Persons Act is an act in Illinois. I don't know if it's other places, Mm -hmm. but it allows the involuntary committal uh, to treatment via the Department of Human Services for someone that they deem sexually violent, um, unable to rehabilitate, really? and will offend again. Wow, I didn't. You know didn't know that? that? No, I had no really? clue. Really? You know, that's my favorite when I can show you something. Yeah. So no clue. DNA at this point came back um, as a match, one in thirty-two million mm-hmm. to Rungi from the Gutierrez, from Yolanda and Jessica. Yeah. So because of this, they dropped their pursuit of the um, Sexually Violent Persons Act. Because you can, when you're found um, as a sexually violent person under this act, they can commit you for life. Right. So, um, you ready for this? I think so. In 2000, when en route to a Cook County court hearing from Will County, Paul and two other inmates attempted to escape. So, apparently, they were being taken back and forth to court by officers of the, and I use the term officers loosely, um, by uh, people who worked for the Department of Human Services. Okay. Who were unarmed. Yeah, so how were they even officers? They're not. Yeah, they're not. A a lovely woman by the name of Doris Harper Mm -hmm. fell in love. Oh, good grief. Yeah. So uh, Paul was able to overcome or overpower the other people on the bus with the pepper spray provided to him by Doris. Oh, good job. They were going to run away to Mexico. Of course they were. She had a change of clothes and $2,000. Pini coladas on the beach. At his fucking hearing, she's like, it was my fault. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Dude. And they were never sexual. She said in different circumstances, she was emotionally attached, but in different circumstances, she would have been into How? How do you, these fucking criminals, how do these deputies or mm-hmm. whoever the fuck they are, how do they fall in love with these Babe. guys? She was asked what if... What the fuck is going on? She was asked if she felt like she was manipulated, and she said, quote, I really don't know. I can't say either way. Wow. Do you want to know where he escaped? Where? Plainfield. Oh. He attempted to run Jesus. during a routine stop in Plainfield. Right. Probably was, in our backyard. Right. He was caught by a Naperville police officer. Wow. Yeah. I was like, oh, what? Hey, maybe the cop that was, you know, we offered coffee to. Was. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, did you see a guy running that way? <laughs> yeah, you need a cup of coffee. Come on in. It's cold. Right. <laughs> when we first move in, mm-hmm. fucking foot chase in our backyard. Yeah. And then the dog incident, remember that? Yeah. So, hang on, I need chapstick. Do your lips hurt real bad? Yeah, they do. Mm, They're shining. Oh, my God. On June 7th of 2001, Detective Frank Capitelli questioned Paul in in a Will County jail. Uh, 
Paul originally denied everything. And then when he was presented with the DNA evidence from Yolanda, he said, quote, you know, I did it. You got me. Wow. And I'm sure Frank went, fuck, man. I'm not going home tonight. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a long night. He then confessed to five more murders. Jesus. Three involving dismemberment, one of which he said was a prostitute that they never found. Wow. Yeah. He proceeded to uh, put Charlene in the um, in the house with uh, fuck. Which one was it? I think it was Yolanda. The, okay. Oh yeah, because he proceeded to say that um, she was in the house with them. She grabbed the knife, like she threatened him, and then yeah. they had sex in between Yolanda and Jessica. What? So they found Man, Charlene. Is she a freak? Well, they found her, and she was like, "No, I was not fucking there." Which I don't know what I believe. I don't but know Paul if eventually I conceded that. that it was just him. Yeah. Um, but she was granted full fucking immunity Dude, to testify against that's him. Disgusting. It's that's beyond disgusting. Fucking disgusting. Yeah. So during the trial, uh, Doctor Park Dietz testified for the prosecution. He did six evaluations. Uh, and said that not a single one of them ever showed depression, organic brain dysfunction, or psychosis. The three things related to mental disease or defect have never been observed. Mm. Babe, this is a... It's, it's a fucking bananas. It's absolute fucking bananas. Man, you're flipping the pages hard. I am. So... <laughs> you're angry. He, he and another woman actually testified for the prosecution... Um, they revealed that CTs and MRIs of Paul's brain mm-hmm. were completely normal. There was um, nothing on them that would show anything yeah. that would cause this. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to find the one spot where he says it. Uh, okay. So um, another physician uh, testified, excuse me, sorry, noted that... Um, he had a normal IQ. He had no history of head trauma, even though he fell out of a cart when he was two. Yeah. Never showed abnormalities in mental status examinations. And in his opinion, there was no brain dysfunction or any significance. Wow. A mental status examination was conducted and he was found to be normal. Uh, in his opinion, Paul does not suffer from any mental disease, defect, or mental illness. He has a sexual and personality problem. And he said that only a tiny, you think? yeah, a tiny percentage of sexual sadists actually commit crimes against strangers for sexual pleasure. Sexual sadists do whatever they wish about their impulses because their behavior is in their control. Mm. It's not a fucking impulse problem, right? Because he then goes on to say, "This is the doctor that he told there were there were babies, and he he didn't." Yeah. So the doctor said he told me the presence of a baby was enough for him to leave. It shows that he can stop. Yeah. It also made him realize after he raped the first victim what would happen if he left them alive. Mm. Yeah. Um, they call him a uh, narcissist. You think? So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> there was another doctor who testified actually for the defense who looked at all the case studies and... This doctor said that there were impulse control issues, Mm -hmm. that the trauma of his mother's death made him unable to control his impulses, and it worsened over the years. Come on. 
With reduced control over his behavior and increased influence of sexual and violent stimuli. Come on. So it's everybody's fault but his? It's Exactly. Is that what we're saying? That's exactly what he's saying. Uh, At the time of the murders, he was suffering from a progressive loosening of control and was at risk of impulsively acting out. Isn't it funny how one, they're two total ends of the fucking spectrum. Total ends. He went on to say that the uh, defendant lacked the ability to control his behavior and that uh, he was insane for purposes of criminal responsibility. Stop. Wow. I, uh, but then goes on to say during cross-examination that how a person acts under their own sexual sadism is a, quote, choice that mm. they make. You just fucking contradicted every goddamn thing you just said. Yeah. What? Uh, what? Well, so. I'm stumped. He's not crazy. He's not mentally ill. No, he's fucking evil. He's evil. He's he's 100% he's pure evil. He's evil. Mm-hmm. Um. The doctor then goes on to say that he was, quote, essentially normal until he developed uh, a fascination with pornographic material. What? Uh, I like porno, too, and I'm not fucking killing people. He said, too, he got um, a lot of pleasure from the magazine um, True Detective. Really? Because on the cover, it always showed, like, a beautiful woman in distress. Really? Mm-hmm. This I want to get my hands on some of these magazines because yeah, this magazine is brought too. up a lot. True crime. It, it's called True Detective, True and Detective? it it was a magazine in uh, like so. Was it Clyde? Yeah, Clyde Barrow was featured in the most wanted section twice in that magazine. Yeah, I'd like to see it too. Is it? I mean, is it still published today? I don't think it's published anymore. But it was published until the nine late nineties, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, because I mean, I've heard of it so yeah. many times, but I've never. I'd like to look at it. I've never seen it. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so Paul was diagnosed with sexual sadism and personality disorder, not otherwise specified with antisocial and narcissistic features. You think? Right. Uh, this diagnosis was based off of his history of sexual behavior, particularly the, the 1987 case. Um, this doctor that diagnosed him with it stated that a diagnosis of sexual sadism does not necessarily mean a person will engage in criminal behavior. Right. When asked, why? Because they can stop themselves? Mm-hmm. Huh. When asked if sexual Fancy sadism that. is a serious, quote, mental illness, the doctor responded that it is a psychological condition. Uh, he said it is possible for someone suffering from a severe kind of sexual sadism to be insane or mentally ill. On the other hand, to commit a crime and be sane and not mentally ill. Hmm. So we could be anybody. Yeah. God, you're so smart, doctor. Right. Thank you Fucking for that. Dummy. So in 2006, uh, his trial, he was found guilty of two uh, counts of first degree murder for Yolanda and Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sentenced to death. Wow. Okay. Was sentenced to death. However, uh, his death sentence was commuted to life when the lovely governor in 2011, Pat God, Quinn, right? I um, believe so. Abolished man. the death penalty in the state of Illinois. Fucking idiot. Let me say this again. He raped a 14-year-old with a fire poker. Right. We're not killing him? Yeah. I'm sorry. Can someone explain to me why? Because it's cruel, our governor. It's cruel and unusual. They're fucking put to sleep. 
They're put to sleep. Right. I, I, the whole argument, oh, the drugs are cruel. You're no, lucky. they're not. So the drugs they're not that they at give, all. No. They, they give, shouldn't even be put to sleep. No. They give them for sed first to calm them down. And then they, this is what they used to do. They would give them succinicholine. So what succinicholine does is it paralyzes your respiratory drive. It paralyzes your diaphragm. Right. So you can't take a breath. However, it has no neurological effect on you whatsoever. No neurogenic effects whatsoever. So you are you, so with you it. knew what was you going on. You know what's going on, which is why they give them the Versed. Right. So they're knocked out. They knock them out first. Fuck that. I say you fuck. give them the fucking sucks. Yes. Wave at them as they yeah. start staring at fucking angels. Yep. Now, the other cases, the two sisters, um, after speaking with the families extensively, the state decided to drop the charges. What? Because he's already in prison for life. So what? The family did not want to go through a trial. I get it. As much as that sucks, I get it. The family chose it. Yeah. So he is uh, sitting in Pontiac. Mm. Just chilling. An hour away. Mm Mm-hmm. What a fucking scumbag. I, um, like, I don't know how... We didn't know about this. Yeah. I don't. I'm shocked that this There's isn't so much. How the fuck did we not know? I wonder if, and I don't. I wonder if it's not a, a quote unquote popular true crime case because it's so graphic. It's so graphic. Yeah, but I felt like you have to hear that to understand oh, yeah. that he's not insane. Right. He's choosing every action that he he partakes in. Right. Which is clear by the comments he's making to these women while he's doing this. Right. And and these are, are comments that either he admitted that he said or his wife admitted that he said. Somebody Man. had to admit it. That's insane. That's fucking bonkers. But I think like because it's so graphic. Yeah, I, I kinda got that feeling. Yeah. I mean, how can you get that graphic on TV? You can't, obviously. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I just, I. But I, I just don't remember anything. I don't being, remember anything. I've never even heard the name. I, I When my buddy mm-hmm. mentioned it, I like, who? Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I feel like we would have because I'm, we would have been old enough to remember. Right. We were freshmen in high school. Right. And they did. Going through the trials. I mean, there was an announcement. It was a very short snippet of the news where they did say that they thought, the police thought that they potentially had a a serial killer on the loose. And it was a very. Wow. Just, it was on CBS. And it was a very short. Hey, by the way. Yeah. Hey. Don't put a sign in front of your yard. Right. And yeah, don't answer you ain't the door kidding. for a Seven Up man. Yeah, exactly. Isn't, man, it's, this was this was bonkers, but yeah, yeah. But wow. I just this is this is proof positive that evil exists. That evil exists. Yeah, and there are monsters, mm-hmm. and yeah. they're right next to you. Yeah, because uh, let me show you his picture. Oh, I've I've seen his picture. You have seen it. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. it's. I mean, it's. You'll have to put it. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to um, post this picture. 
But, you know, uh, people want to blame the guns and they want to blame this and they want to blame no, that. Dude. Like the doctor wanted no. to blame the fucking werewolf movie. Are right. you serious? No. Are you fucking serious right no. now? Because guess what? Porn is not this. No. Those are called snuff films. Yeah. And those are illegal. Right. And I'm pretty sure snuff films aren't even as graphic as this. Right. So not the porn that did it to him. I'm pretty sure Pornhub isn't going to fuck somebody up like that. Right. <laughs> He's evil. Pornhub just made me like boobies. This Right. Right. <laughs> it's not going to... Oh, my God. But, like, he's just evil. He's not He's not crazy. He's with it. Yeah. And, and listening to him talk is fucking frightening. Yeah, that's... It's frightening because he's just upbeat and he's like, Yeah, I'm in Pontiac. Nah, nah. Call you back in a half an hour. Mm. Yeah, I cut him up. But, you know, whatever. Wonder, wonder if my sister ever saw him. Because when she was a nurse in Pontiac. Oh, she was in Pontiac first? Yep, she started off in Pontiac. Hmm. So I wonder if she... Yeah, uh, she probably did. She probably did. Just, oh my God. She's met Peterson a couple times, Drew Peterson a yeah, couple times. Yeah, I know, times and, I know that. So. Uh, I don't know. Wow. I Peterson, I'd be like starting his IV and picking his brain. I, I would too. So where'd you get the blue barrel? Yeah. Where, where'd you buy one of those? Right. Tell me about uh, Joel Broski. <laughs> How'd that relationship work oh, out Oh, he's going to, dude, he's going to come clean someday. I can't wait. It's It's going to be soon. He's going to come clean. Babe, there's so many, like, there's so many true crime issues going on right now that I just. I know. God, somebody In leak Delphi. some shit to the police ple- or to the media, please. Like. You know what though? <sighs> like with Delphi, they want to keep it sealed. There, there's a reason. Yeah. You don't want to fuck the case up. Yeah. You don't want to Which, fuck the 100%. investigation up. Yeah. You know, like some people say, well, as the public, we have a right to know. No, no you don't. No. On no, top of the fact, as a lay person, do you really want to know what he did to those two girls? Exactly. Do you really want to know? Because some of the stuff that's been leaked. Do you want to know how that happened? Right. There, and there's a reason why. They what I want to know, and because I know, and my guess is they're keeping it sealed because this was not his first crime. That, that's what I think, because too. They they're said, probably matching other right. shit up. They said numerous times that there were um, uh, signatures yeah. that he left. So well, I would, how, how else would you know that? Right. Unless he that's did it before. what I'm saying. The minute they said that they had signatures, it was like, okay. So, but I'm thinking that's why it's sealed because they're trying to match it with other ones. Yeah. Now, they're not, they're very tight lipped about it. The one thing that they have denied though is that he, there are no ties to the father and son on the internet. I still don't know if I believe that. But he, he lived very close to them. Yeah, I get it. He, babe, he helped. Their fucking parents develop pictures for I them. I know, I know. But I want to know. I, I, does that sound so weird? Because he lived in town. He, he lived 0. 0.3 yeah, miles he lived away in from town, them. So that, that's not I fucking know crazy. I want to know what his wife found that made her know. suspicious. Yeah. She told her friends about it. She never told the police. And she fucking hid it. What did she find? Yeah. That's what I want to know. And my guess is either text messages or something on the computer. He or she found a fucking souvenir. 
That's what I think she found. I don't know. Yeah. I think. Could be right. I think. I don't think it was. Uh, you and I are, are very opposite on this, even more so now. I don't think this was an internet thing. I think this was a crime of opportunity for him, especially because we know their signatures. So you you have to assume at this point he's done it before. You have to. He he's a fucking old guy. He's yeah. not going to be in fucking chat rooms. But he lived. Oh, don't. I mean, okay. Nah, oh, I think. Don't say that. Just the fact that there's the shit, signatures. The shit I've seen. I know. But I just think. I think for him it was a, it was a crime of opportunity. Did he know that those two girls specifically were going to be there that day? No. But it was a nice day. They didn't have school. He went hunting and he found two fucking vulnerable ass girls in a spot that they could not get out of. There's your crime of opportunity. Yeah, I, I get it. I just don't know if I agree with you on that. I, if he lived further away, I would 100% think it was a computer thing. But he lived 0.3 miles from them. That, he, he saw them all the time. Doesn't mean shit. I know. But that's what I'm saying. I think it was they just happened to be in the very wrong spot at the very wrong time. I get it. And we'll we'll have a follow-up yeah. episode. So we'll get further into it once we know more. The first court court case. Yeah. Or the first. I'm sorry. I keep stumbling um the first court date you, do they have one i do don't know ha- i don't know i don't know if it's set, but you're gonna yeah. know more oh yeah you know, i still a, don't a think i mean be released, but so. I, yeah i mean we're they're gonna give us enough but i don't think they're gonna i don't i there's a lot of stuff that i don't think that they're gonna ever release unless they can uh, well look at john benet there's so much shit that was never unsealed yeah but I think unless they can... Yeah, but for the most part, we know because a lot of it was televised yeah. and stuff. And this, leaked. Yeah, this, I mean... This, I'm I'm shocked at the lack of stuff that was leaked to the police oh, they or did to a, the media. They did a great job. Oh, amazing. Yeah, they did a great job keeping it... The only thing that was really leaked was uh, text messages from somebody in the search party that found right, it. Right, right. So, that's, I mean... There's no photos of these girls that were leaked. Yeah. Jean Benet's autopsy photos were leaked in right away a week. Yeah, there's nothing. But yeah, we'll get into Oof. it, babe. Save it for oh, our follow up. We're just gonna talk forever. Yeah, for the follow up. So, but this was good. This was man again. I can't believe we've never fucking heard I of this know. guy. So, <sighs> I mean, this one. Whew. Yeah. How the fuck do you say a joke during it? You can't. <laughs> I tried, but I don't know if I did good. One of my girlfriends will text me if she doesn't recognize like the name of the case. Yeah. She'll be like, is this one safe as her kids? Right. Oh, honey, baby, sweetie child. Yeah. You need to stay as far away from this one as you possibly fucking can. Yeah. Whew. Well, guys, yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please uh, give us a five-star rating, hopefully. After uh, that one? Ew. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that's going to go. Ew. But uh, visit us on social media. Yes. Throw us a message. We love getting love messages. Yep. I do. Uh, our next case is going to be a Patreon exclusive. It is. And it's a multiple people have requested it. Yes. We are going to do uh, Adnan Saeed. Yes. So if you want to hear that. You're going to have to sign up. We have three it's, tiers. Man. 
and $20. Each tier has specific things to them. I think we're going to plan another uh, Zoom, too, soon. Okay. Um, That'll be for our $20 tiers. You're going to get a little meet and greet Zoom call. We're entertaining. Yeah, we are. But all of our tiers, you do get the bonus episodes. So. Um, cause I have gotten some questions on that. I'm hoping the Patreon thing has worked itself out. I haven't yeah. heard anything in a couple days. Yeah, um, I haven't either. I haven't seen so, any messages. Fingers Sorry. crossed. Yeah, we apologize guys. Patreon, we've, there's been some issues, but it's with Patreon. It's not. Yeah, it's us. not exclusively our page yeah, or anything so like that. So we've been trying to fix it. We've been trying to notify Patreon and we just get, it's. We're working on we're it. We're working on it. Cause they probably. Don't know how to fix a glitch. Yeah. You know? So hopefully that's been addressed. And yeah. If not, fixed. we apologize. Please. <laughs> like I said, there. well, like I said the other day, if if it's not fixed and you guys are still having it, because it seems to be the one episode sixty nine. Yeah. Let me know, and I will get the link to you somehow. Right. Right. Well, I will figure out a way to get the link to you personally. Facebook message, text message, something. I will get the link to you so you guys don't miss an episode. Perfect. So. All right, guys. Thank you again. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this one. I know it was a little bit more graphic than mm-hmm. usual. Uh, but please uh, stay tuned. It'll I, be a few days for uh, the Patreon episode. I'm shooting for, what's today, Monday? Yeah. Saturday. Okay. So, Saturday. couple days. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you again, and we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.